Welcome to the On The Air podcast, a companion to On The Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host and the editor of On The Air, Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY. Every month, the On The Air podcast extends material found in On The Air magazine to help you learn about the many things that the ham radio hobby and service has to offer. The On The Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. Welcome to the May 2023 episode. This month, we'll take a closer look at material from the May-June 2023 issue of On The Air. In that issue, seasoned VHF operator Bob Witte, K0NR, wrote about a multi-purpose operation on Pikes Peak that counted for a mountaintop trifecta, soda, poda, and the ARL VHF contest. With this year's ARL June VHF contest fast approaching on the weekend of June 10th, Bob is with us today to talk about how to prepare yourself and your station for joining in the fun. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Becky. Great to be here. So ARL actually holds three VHF contests a year. We do one in January, in June, and in September. And we're coming up on the June VHF contest, which begins at 1800 UTC on Saturday, June 10th, and it ends at 259 UTC on Monday, June 12th. So it's coming up. Um, people are maybe preparing uh, what they're going to do for the contest. So let's say somebody is a new licensee or new to contesting. How would you describe the VHF contest? How would you sell somebody on participating? Yeah, so I, I think of uh, the VHF contest as uh, VHF activity weekend. Because one of the problems, one of the challenges with VHF is, is sometimes we get on get on the air, simplex frequencies, and uh, and on single sideband, tune around, we don't hear any activity. And and so people are thinking, well, you know, wh where, where's the activity? Well, the, the contest brings out the operators. And so particularly in June, but the other the other two contests as well, we'll, we'll have quite a bit of uh, VHF activity. So it's a good chance to make a lot of uh, VHF contacts. So how long have you been operating this contest? Um, have you done it from your home station as well as portable? What's your experience of this contest? I've been doing it for uh, decades, long, long time ago. Pretty early in my ham career, I latched on to this idea of VHF, and particularly VHF um, in terms of getting on top of a high spot, get on top of a mountain, because the uh, the propagation uh, of the of the radio signal is so much better when when you get uh, a high a high elevation. So that's fit really well into my location here in Colorado. So that's always been something uh, I've been interested in. I've done uh, operating from home, of course. I've done portable operating, uh, particularly on mountaintops. Sometimes on mountain passes, if I can find a good location. And I've also did quite a bit of uh, rover operating where you move from location to location, from grid to grid uh, during the contest. That That's kind of a whole nother kind of activity and, and kind of challenge. Um, do you have a, a favorite way to operate this contest? Well, lately it's been uh, it's been operating from home. Um, put, I have uh, 
I have some good antennas up on VHF, and uh, so that's that makes my station more capable, right? If you can, if you can get your home situation set up, but uh, but I've also liked the portable thing. That was where the Pikes Peak article came in. Is I decided that uh, last year in June, a good opportunity would, would be get on top of Pikes Peak, pretty high mountain, lots of uh, great radio horizon there. And uh, and then I did the combination of parks on the air, summits on the air, and, and VHF contest together. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So speaking of fun, can you share a story or two um, from operations that were particularly memorable, um, whether they were particularly successful, whether they were maybe not so successful, but you learned something or, or just uh, an operation that was especially fun. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Sure. The, well, the Pikes Peak one comes to mind. That was that was a lot of fun. I ended up talking to uh, a lot of the soda uh, chasers as well as uh, the VHF contesters. I uh, got on multiple bands, had really really good uh, good luck with uh, the number of contacts i was hoping to make like 50 contacts because i was only on for a few hours but i i exceeded that and so i was pretty happy with that that whole thing another uh, operation that comes to mind was was from a few years ago i went i went to a rare grid um Delta Mike six seven. There's there's at the time there were very few, maybe zero VHF operators that lived in that grid, and so I set up out there. And uh, one of the fun things that happened was the six meter band opened up. We'll get the sporadic E propagation in June. It's uh, pretty common, often on six meters, sometimes even on two meters. And so I was sitting in this rare grid working uh, six meter sideband and I just had a huge number of stations calling me and uh, had this really big pile up and I just worked them as fast as I, as I could. It was just a, just a blast. People told me later that the propagation was such that, that uh, I was like the only signal they were hearing. So, um, so rare grid um, propagation was, was just right. Six meters does that. It's, it's kind of finicky and variable, right? That's what we call it, sporadic E. And uh, it just turned into a, a great day. And then all of a sudden, the propagation quit, and, uh, and we stopped operating. So I hear you talking about, you know, getting up high to, to get the signal out, um, you know, uh, what the propagation is doing. Um, how much knowledge of that sort of stuff does a ham need to have in order to have fun in this contest and and have some measure of success um like what what skill level does a ham need to be at in order to to have a successful operation i don't think it's uh i don't think it's a hard uh difficult skill level or a high skill level i think uh like like most things you can get started with it um with basic skills and then as you get into it you start to realize um more and more factors come into play and you refine you refine your approach. I think that's pretty pretty natural with a lot of ham radio activities, certainly with contesting that happens and certainly with VHF contesting. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm in a really good uh, location to take advantage of uh, mountaintops 
And, but I don't want to leave the impression that VHF contesting is only from mountains. Uh, even, even in the flatter parts of the country, like say Iowa, Indiana, uh, you still benefit from uh, taking a look at the terrain, maybe getting out a topo map and, and identifying a higher spot that you could operate portable from to give you a little bit better uh, radio horizon, all that all that stuff uh, matters. Um, is the exchange simple? Is it, it, is it uh, you know, single report, grid square, or what's the exchange like? Yeah, it's really uh, uh, call sign and grid. And yeah. so uh, you do need to spend some time figuring out what your, what your grid is. There's, there's all kinds of online apps that'll help you with that, or your, your smartphone may have an app that can, that can show you that. Um, so you need to get familiar with that. And, and so, yeah, a, a typical exchange or typical radio contact is, you know, somebody's calling and you respond to them, give them their, their call sign, your call sign, and just say your grid. Sometimes signal report is in there, but it's, it's optional. And, uh, you make sure you get their grid locator written down and, um, it's as simple as that. Usually the contests are slow enough moving people will often you know chat a little bit you know hi i'm bob over here on pike's peak how's it going today um kind of a brief brief conversation may occur as well yeah that sounds pretty beginner friendly i would say a lot of times uh in the bigger contests things are moving really fast and you've got to be very efficient with your exchange so if people are having little chats during the vhf contest then that definitely sounds a little more beginner friendly. Yeah, I, I think it's beginner friendly. The yeah. it, it's usually slow moving. Now the exception is the six meter thing, right? If mm. if the band opens, then that starts to feel a lot more like an HF contest. Lots of signals on the band um, can actually get pretty crowded at times, um, and and people want to move pretty quickly because they're they want to make contacts before the before the yeah. band fades, and so that that kind of changes the nature, but. But that's actually part of the excitement is like you're, you're sitting there tuning around and all of a sudden you hear you hear uh, some station from the other side of North America come pounding in and it's like, whoa, didn't expect that. And, uh, and you work them and, and have fun with it. In your uh, article about the Pikes Peak operation, you mentioned that uh, you only did a, a brief activation. You were on the peak for an afternoon, just I think it was three hours. Um, would you recommend that as a strategy for new folks to, to maybe not operate the whole contest, um, not get on for an enormous stretch of time? Is, is that something that might be a good choice for a beginner? I think so. I think that might be an option. I mean, if, if you have a station set up at home that's going to work for you, then that, that maybe is your first choice. Uh, but then if you feel like I want to go portable and do something different, then, uh, your first time out to, to operate the entire uh, entire contest for 30 hours portable, that might be a little bit much. So mm. so maybe pick Saturday afternoon or, or Sunday afternoon and, and go out for for a few hours might be a, a smart way to do that. You know, some people do treat it a little bit like field day, like maybe go camp out somewhere, uh, find a good spot, set up tents, uh, spend the night, and then... Uh, and then operate the whole contest. Although th things will will usually be
be pretty quiet in the middle of the night, right? There probably is not a lot of activity. So with a shorter operation, um, you know, you, you mentioned in the article, you know, you, you, knew you, were doing, you knew you were doing a shorter operation. You weren't necessarily in it to win it. Um, can you talk a little bit about goal setting? Um, you know, particularly if you're, you're not going to operate the whole contest, you're not going to hit it hard, maybe you're a beginner. What are some ways that people can motivate themselves if, uh, if they're new or if they are doing a shorter operation? Yeah, I think uh, I think just you can start with just choosing a, a goal of number of contacts you make, right? Just just uh, pick a number um, and uh, and and try and hit that. And then uh, I think maybe the second thing you can do is uh, think about the different bands. Like uh, this this is going to depend on what kind of equipment you have available, but uh, most most of the activity is going to be on two meters and six meters. But you could you could start expanding to uh, to 70 centimeters and some of the higher bands if you have that available, and then try and uh, try and work as many work the same stations on different bands. Try and expand that out. Maybe have a goal a goal for that. One thing that's pretty common on in a VHF contest for for uh, if you work somebody on two meters, you you may. It's very common to ask them, okay, what other bands do you have? And then, uh, okay, let's move over to six. I'll see you on this frequency, and then work them over there. These, these are, uh, these are all part of the scoring system. So you, you're encouraged to work stations on multiple bands. It gives you more points, and uh, so you can you can kind of move move between bands with the same station to try and try and expand that. Um, you were talking about equipment a minute ago. I was wondering what kind of equipment does somebody need, um, particularly if they're they're new to this, they they just want to try this out. Um, is this an event that you could do with an HT, maybe with a you know a, a J pole or something hooked up to it, or do you need more than that? That's a great question. Uh, ideally, you'd you'd have some single sideband, you know, all mode equipment. That would be the ideal case. Because so much of the activity is going to be on uh, on single sideband and even CW, uh, because these these contesters, the the more experienced and serious folks, have built up uh, very competitive stations and and single sideband just so much more more efficient than FM. So that's where the 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 activity tends to go. But having said that, there there is activity on fm as well and so your fm rig can uh, come in come into play there um and uh i think it's uh in fact there's a there's a uh category for fm only stations so you can so the contest has this special category to encourage fm operation a lot of that's going to depend on local activity. You know mm-hmm. what's going on in your particular area. I know some some regions of the country are very active on FM during the contests, and then and then others are are not so much. So you just have to have to give that a try. Now an HT, a uh, little bit on the low power side, right? Typically like five watts. So that's maybe a little bit of a limitation, but also you want to you want to uh, upgrade your antenna, right? The rubber duck antenna is not 
is not that great. So you want something that radiates a little better. You mentioned the, the, uh, J pole antenna, you know, the roll up style perhaps, uh, and, uh, other antennas like that might, might, uh, be useful. And, and that's where you could, you could decide to, okay, I only have an HT, but I'm going to go out on my local hill and try and get some advantage by being, uh, by being in a better location. Maybe that'll help, uh, help my ability to contact people. So uh, do you have any other advice for folks who are new to this? Um, you know, if, if somebody is curious but isn't sure whether they should dive into this, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they're hearing this in early May and, uh, and they don't have a lot of gear. Um, they're unsure about their skills and the contest is coming up in a few weeks. Uh, what might you say to somebody like that to encourage them to give it a try? Well, I, th I think the, the, uh, my encouragement is always pretty simple. It's like, get on the air. This is a, this is an opportunity to get on the air and, uh, and, and there will be more activity during the, during the contest. So that, that always helps in terms of, uh, preparation uh connecting with another ham that's that's already done this of course is always is always a good idea find yourself an elmer to to help out the other thought is there are clubs that are pretty active in the vhf contest if you happen to have one of those in in your area those will uh they will do a often do a multi-op station and so they're looking for help, right? And they're they're generally very biased towards pulling people in, uh, showing them the ropes. Uh, and you'd be part of a multi-op station in that scenario where uh, lots of people involved, lots of transmitters on the air at the same time. You wouldn't have to have the equipment, right? Because the club would would already have that figured out. So if you have that available to you, that's that's like uh, really really good because then you you benefit from the experience of. Uh, of those folks that are already doing it. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Bob. This has been really interesting and helpful. Well, thank you. My, my pleasure. For more information about the ARL June VHF contest, including the complete rules, entry forms, information about how to submit your log, awards, and more, visit arl.org slash June hyphen VHF. The On The Air podcast will be back in June 73. 73.